But let's go before Father, huh? We got a lot to pray for. You know, there's a girl on the website that uh, shot in a prayer request. And you guys, those of you who saw it, you probably know what I'm talking about. It just, uh, it really stirred my heart. And uh, if you're here tonight, um, you can come up and talk to me afterwards. But um, I just got to pray for that. Because, man, I was just broken there in that moment and um, really weary. It's hard being a, a minister, you know that? It's hard to be a shepherd because, you know what, people have real problems. And when they tell you about them, your heart breaks for them. Because you want to help them and you feel like you can't sometimes. And so uh, we need to pray. we got a lot to pray for. Father, we have a lot to bring to you tonight. Uh, first, I want to bring to you my brother Austin there in Iraq right now. We ask that your spirit would fall on him, that he would lift hands high, and as he does, Lord, he would be blessed. That you would give him authority amongst those brothers out there, that he would speak into their lives that their eyes would engage with His and He would speak straight into their heart and they would receive it and be changed in an instant. God, that You would give Him some kind of power, Lord, where He can just speak to the Marines and they just start to listen. Just give Him open doors all over the place and grow that study. Please, Father, You rest there. Make Austin the man You need Him to be. Use that prophet out there. And Lord, we pray for Greg and his family. We pray for Kathy, God, a mother who has lost her son and is now worried about the rest of the family, Lord, because they are hurting too. And we ask that you would comfort and bring peace tonight as they sleep. And Father, I pray for Brittany, Christopher's wife, that he's left here on this earth. God, that she would be okay and that she would trust in you and that her baby Stella, Lord, would just grow up in the ways of you and that, Father, the baby that she carries right now Lord, would it be one that is raised up to be one that glorifies you and walks with you? Please help that family. Lord, strengthen them in this hard time. Make this tree, Lord, as the storm comes and try to knock it down, just allow the roots to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. The harder the wind blows, Lord, deeper. And a, a larger stump, Lord, there at the bottom, just a base that no man can move for you. And Lord, we lift up Kent Hovind, Lord, as he sits there in prison, God. Cold walls, bars, staring at them day after day, wondering when he will be set free. We ask that he'd be set free, Father. Please, would you hear our prayer, Lord? What else do you need to work in him, King? If there's more that needs to be done, then please do it. But we ask that he would walk out of that place very soon. He'd be able to be with his family because that man wants to charge the enemy for the kingdom. He wants to stir and help you out. I know it. So do what you will. Have your way in Him. And Father, I pray for this girl who has written in a prayer request. And I pray, Father, that in her situation she would have victory, that you would speak directly to her heart on what to do and how to be taken care of. Oh, Lord. The enemy is so wicked and he just desires to destroy. So we ask... We ask that you would bring peace to her heart and that she would be able to endure all that is being brought upon her. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. And we thank you for the lives that we give. we got good lives, Lord. We really do. We have nice lives. It's because of you. And you could take it away in an instant, and we know that. 
That's not going to stop us from praising you. We choose to praise you in whatever situation we are in. Thank you, God. Teach us to love. Teach us to bless your people and to bless this world, to bless this earth who does not bless you. Help us, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles tonight, please open to Psalm chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16. You know, I ask um, my buddy Daniel, he's a he's a cello player there, and uh, I was asking him last week if he writes any music, and he said, uh, not really, kind of. And I said, you know, it'd be really cool if you, uh, I've always wanted to do this and haven't been able to, um, just to write music to the Psalms. Um, you know, you like read through a couple scriptures and kind of see musicians, they kind of know. Um like, when the psalmist is saying things like, Bless the Lord, O my soul, he's all fired up and excited. You can almost taste, smell, and see the color there in his words. He's It's like bright yellows, really loud, bright, shining, excited. And these are like a bright G, you know, just like a really bright chord. Like, it's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden when, uh, man, when the enemy hits, you know, and there the psalmist is, he's all bummed out. And he's like, oh, Lord, my soul is cast down. It's like those miners, like, these low chords, these eerie chords, these. And I was asking Daniel, maybe if he would, he's just, he's been doing classical music for a while. Just, you know, it caused that cello to, bring forth what the psalmist sang, what the psalmist is singing. And so he's been writing some songs, and I think I might have him play one uh, maybe next week. And I know Jameson is a talented musician too as well. He plays violin. Maybe he would play something for us. I would love that. I just, uh, he hates it when I say stuff about him. So, uh, But he's just such a blessing and such a talented musician. And um really blessed to have these guys up here. And um, we as musicians should be using our gifts to glorify the Father. And we will see the color in this uh, psalm tonight, definitely in Psalm chapter 16. Let's pray before we go in. Father, please speak through your word, your psalms, hymns, songs. The heart of David and other psalmists in here too. But Lord, they seem to just reflect your heart they seem just to reflect your character. They seem to reflect humanity and, and, and a man that walks with you, yet struggles, falls. It just seems to express life in such an amazing way. The life of a Christian. The life of a man who walks with God. And so help us glean from your word tonight, Father. Help us to figure out exactly what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, the name of your Son, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Psalm 16, if you were to title it, if you were to title this psalm, scholars would title it, The Resurrection of Messiah. 
the resurrection of Messiah. Yeah, there's actually prophecy here within this psalm. And this psalm is actually quoted twice in the Bible, twice in the book of Acts. And we will look at one time where it's quoted in Acts chapter 2. The other time is in Acts chapter 13, and I believe it's verse 35, I think. But we will uh, look at some of this. This Psalm 16, it says a miktam of David. Miktam, this word here either means hidden or golden. Hidden or golden. And in the King James, if you have the King James Bible, you will see there in the uh, column there, it says a golden psalm of David. And a golden psalm it is. Because there is much gold to be found in here. And there is one to be found in here which is the gold, which is the treasure. His name is Jesus, man. There is no other treasure. There is no other gold, jewel, or precious thing above Him. It starts off like this. And I, and I write there next to the psalm, I wrote, pray this. These first three verses. Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. O my soul, Thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to Thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Preserve me, O God. Love that. What we're going to see here, um, as I looked at some of the commentators, they're trying to express and, and, and show this psalm as one which Jesus is almost speaking, which he would almost, his mindset in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's about to go to the cross. And almost like this is the mind of Christ. This is his heart. This is what his heart's cry was. The, the Messiah, the Christ. And David is writing about this. You see this much in the Psalms. You see David writing about Jesus. And, uh, or writing about Messiah, which he didn't know who that was, but Christ, or Jesus Christ being Messiah, Jesus the Christ and the Messiah, he writes about here, and he's saying this, and it sounds like it, I will try to tie this in to Christ, but I just, sometimes it's, it's difficult. Like, I don't like getting, uh, too mystical maybe or too far into it trying to figure out exactly what the psalms is saying i just want it to speak for itself and uh if it relates to christ which peter shows us it does here at the end um as he quotes this passage in acts chapter 2 we will see that but um we could see christ saying this preserve me O god for in thee do i put my trust for what was about to happen man the greatest death any man's ever died torture like you can't even imagine but, you know, I used to think this seriously um, as a young Christian. I was a fool, and I used to think this. I used to always say, you know what? If I was given the duty to die for the sins of the world, I would do it. Who wouldn't do that? If God spoke to you and said, you're going to be the one, you got to die so that all people can get to heaven. So people would have so. It's like, yeah, that seems like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, why wouldn't you take on that task? Why wouldn't you go that route? It's not going to be easy, but why wouldn't you do that? I was a fool. Because I didn't know this simple factor. Yeah, sure, you could endure maybe the pain on the cross. But could you endure all the sin being dumped on you spiritually? Could you endure every single sin of every man who's ever walked the earth? Every man that would come to Jesus Christ, could you endure that sin? Think about just the sin in this room. 
Let me just look at you look at your sin in your life and I'll look at mine, okay? Now let's just put two together. How about three? Four? Five. Who would like to carry our sins? How would you like to have all the wicked things that we've done in our lives, all the lies, all the sick stuff that goes on in our minds, just dumped upon you? Could you endure that? The filth? Now let's take just all, everyone here. Let's just say everyone knows Christ here. That's a lot. That is a lot just here in this room. How many thousands of people have come to Jesus Christ? Millions. To take all of their sin upon His body? Oh, not me. I could never do it. Never. And if Father asked me to do it, I'd be like, I'm not your man. I cannot do that. It could only be who? God Himself who could do that. Who could endure that? Preserve me, O God. Preserve me, O God. For in Thee do I put my trust. You've got to realize the amount of sin that you have in your life. How many spiritual red lights do you run a day? How many little things do you just break day in and day out that you don't even know? It's just habit. You just do it. The closer you draw to God, the more that you see your sin. It's true. But I'm telling you, there are many of you just struggling with big sin in your life right now today. You have no clue about even the small things that go on minute after minute. And once you deal with, yes, these big sins and you get these things out of the way, you start seeing everything. The Lord just starts to open your eyes to how wicked you are. The little things... Day in and day out. It's just like, man, I just can't get it right. You recognize how helpless that you are and how much you need a Savior to deliver you. The person who says they're perfect or the person who says they're a good person, liar! You liar! You are not good. You are not good even as a child. We'll go ask your parents if you're good, okay? You're not good. You've done wrong. Go ask your parents how many times you've done wrong. Oh, 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 they would love to tell you. One million times. I counted them. I have every single one jotted down. I have it on videotape. You want to see? Let's pull out the uh, family videos. Man, I remember me and my brothers, man. We went at it. I'm telling you. I would light my brothers up, man. Like they just, if they even looked at me wrong, it was like, you're going down right now. Oh man, I remember one time my brother, he was so upset at a video game. He was so upset at the Super Nintendo. Yeah, Super Nintendo, that's what it was called, alright? You, I don't even know what it is these days. It's not even a Nintendo anymore, it's like some, anyways. It, I just got it for Christmas, he was so upset at it, he picked it up and threw it on the ground. And you know, that's like death for a kid, it's like... <gasps> My game. <laughs> I, 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 I put my fist up, man. It was like, you're going down. You don't throw my game. I went and I swung on him. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. I couldn't believe I even did it. I felt so guilty over a video game now that I look back on it. It's like, geez, Father, forgive me. But, I mean, that was just a daily thing. I mean, it was like me and my brothers, we just go at it. I mean, throwing dirt and throwing stuff. I mean, just... Swinging, I mean, it was just crazy. 
And my brothers still love me, believe it or not. They really respect me, and uh, we have a great relationship. But I think about all the sin and the things that I've done wrong over the years, the way I treated my brothers, the way I treated my dad. Mm. Oh, wrong. The way I treated my grandma. Wow, most godly woman I've ever seen. I used to give her the hardest time. And man, I just... I wish I could have blessed her more, you know. I know that she's would be proud in this day and age. And if you got a grandma, you need to bless her, period. You need to listen to her. Listen to her for an hour, please. I don't want to listen for an hour. Listen! Bless her, man. You have no clue how much she has blessed you. And bless your parents. You say to me, man, Josh, my grandma doesn't know the Lord. And you need to love on her. So that she would look into you and say, man, I'm really proud of you. You're a great kid. I wish I was like you when I was young. You get to share Christ with her before she passes on into eternity. People die. It's a real deal. With a study this big, it's true. It could happen. I will die one day. I always wonder what people will think when I die. Always. What will be said at my memorial? How will people reflect? It's a big deal. Because everyone dies. No one runs from it. Recognize your sin and who you are and run from it. God wants to do a work in us, family. He wants to bring holiness upon this group in such a way we've never seen. Holiness where we are cut to the heart about little things. We choose to be set apart. And yes, it convicts the people around us, but even more than that, it causes them to bless God because they see our works. You understand? I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here, but this is very important. That we be a generation that chooses to say, purpose is in our heart. I will run from sin all the days of my life. Set apart people. Man, we could really do some damage if we do just something like that. Purposing in our heart to chase God. Jesus did that perfect life and gave it to you. He said, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. It's true. Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Jesus being delighted with ones who do what? Who try to chase after excellence. It's true. And you know, I used to start struggle with this because as I walked with the Lord, I used to think this, eh, God is pleased with me. He always is going to be. He's always Happy with Josh Thompson. Why? Not because of what I've done, but because of the blood that covers me. And so God looks at me and says what? You're holy. You're pure. You're sinless. But I see what? A a sinner. But God sees what? A sinless man. Why? Because the blood of Christ covers me. And so I used to always, I would look at that and I would almost walk and feel okay when I sin. I would sin. I'd be like, feel a little guilty, but then I'd be like, yeah, you know, it's all right. God's not bummed out at me. It's not bummed. Because Christ's blood covers me. 
And it's true that God forgives. But there are words like this, which I saw in the psalm, which really stirred me. Things like, the Lord is displeased with me. The Lord displeased with David? The man after his own heart displeased? Freaked me out. Because I recognize that a father can forgive but still be displeased. You're forgiven. But Josh, I desire better for you. Look what you're doing to your life. Get out of there. Get focused. And if you think that you can just run around because grace has set you free, hey, it's true, you're forgiven and you're going to heaven and God's not going to hold you accountable for that. But guess what? The repercussions here on this earth, they will come. If you kill somebody, are you forgiven? Yeah, but you're going to jail, man. But I'm forgiven. You're still going to jail. There are repercussions in heaven that have been taken care of and there are ones on earth that will always stand. And yes, Father will be displeased with His children who do not seek His face but take advantage of His grace. Mm. Be very careful. Jesus says that He delights in the excellent ones. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after other gods. Did you hear this? He's saying ones who what? Chase after other gods? Sorrow shall be multiplied. Listen, that's important. That's huge. If you chase after another God other than the God set before, the only true God, the one and only God, the Almighty God, Yahweh, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, if you chase after any God in this world, it says that sorrow will be multiplied to you. And I need to say this time and time again, you need to be reminded that the sin that you do, the repercussions are always greater than what you can handle. Always. And when you think you can endure it, beware. It will come upon you like a flash of lightning striking you dead. For I've experienced it within my own life many times. You think you're, you're in sin maybe right now and you think, eh, it's, I've been hiding this for a little while. It's okay. It's not going to catch I'm I'm good. Beware. The Bible says that the man who chases after another god, sorrow will be multiplied to him. And just look at the world. You can see it clearly. They are sorrowful, aren't they not? They're trying to get the sorrow out of their life the best they can with whatever they can do. It has been multiplied to them, yes. Can a Christian chase after another god? Yes. To forsake the living God, it's one of the commandments. You shall have no idols before thee. None. Not a man? No. Not a person that you look to more than God? Absolutely not. Not any kind of object or job? No. Another God. You want to know how you can determine what your God is? Whichever you spend the most time doing, that is your God. Now yes, we have to work and make money. Yes. But wherever you spend the most of your time, that is your God. That is what you worship and that is what you spend time doing. Be honest. You know the sports fanatic who spends more time on the television on Sunday mornings than ever in his word. You know. The person who is so caught up in fashion that they shop more than they even pray with God. You know. 
There are gods of many kinds. They spend more time washing their truck than they do, hey, ministering to people. Recognize that an idol can come in a person's life very easily. Moses went up the mountain and came down and saw what? A golden calf. How did this happen? Do you remember Aaron's excuse? Uh, we threw in all the jewelry and out popped a calf. It says it there in the text. I'm not lying to you. It says something right along those lines. We threw it in and out came a calf. Huh. It, you, you don't just throw it in, Aaron, and it comes out. No, you, you molded that thing, man. Your hands were probably on it. But that's just like us, isn't it? Maybe I say it to you tonight and you're saying, yeah, Josh, not that big of a deal. I just threw it in there and out it popped. Hey, be careful. If you're guilty, recognize you're guilty and recognize that sorrow will come upon you. It will be multiplied to you if you do not get out of this sinful situation. And man, as soon as God opens my eyes to the sin that is in my life, I can honestly say to you that because of the scriptures that I preach to you, I'm thinking to myself, Oh, Father, i got to get out. you got to deliver me. you got to save me from this. i got to get out. i got to run as fast as I can. Because I'm going to be bummed real quick. And I'm going to be, hey, miserable. Because you know what sin does to you? It destroys you. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, for a little bit. And then destruction comes. And Jesus says their, sh- their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. Did you see that? Do you see the picture? Let me read it again. This is important. Look at this. This is, this is a picture of Christ. You can see it. He says, Their drink, these people who... Worship another god or chase after it, obviously speaking about the heathen. He says, Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take their names into my lips. Do you remember what Jesus said to the Father there in the garden? Let this cup pass from me. This cup I'm about to drink. What cup is he about to drink? The sins of the world. The sins. He's about to drink this down. And he says, What? Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. I will not drink theirs down. The one who seek after another God, I won't do it. Man, that's a sad day. Jesus does not drink the cup, it says here clearly, for the man who chooses another God. But those of you who choose to follow after our King, He's drank the cup for you. And you have a place in heaven if you desire it. Chase after it. Run after it. Do whatever it takes to find it. Verse 5. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Wow! The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. The Lord is my portion. What a great phrase. Many people will say, this company 
is my inheritance, my portion. It is what I have. Many will say this house or this car, what defines you? What is your portion? What is your inheritance? Jesus' inheritance was obvious, wasn't it? It was God and God alone. Look at him. A man couldn't, he didn't have a place to lay his head. He didn't have a house. He didn't have anything. He was a poor man. Did you know that? People depict Jesus as this, well, as other things in pictures than he really was. He was just a homeless guy walking around. I'm sure he wasn't like a dirty man walking around, but you know what I'm saying? Like he just, he didn't have anything. Everything that he did had was the Father. And that's all he had, and that's all he needed. And he was the most influential man to ever walk this earth. If you can find, if you combine all the greats, the great scholars, the great prophets, you name it. Famous people, kings all the way across here. Combine every single one together. And their influence comes nowhere close to the influence that Jesus Christ made in how many years? Only three. Three years. He is the greatest. When we talk about greats today, who are they? Men maybe who wrote books over, you know, 50, 60 years. We talk about people who, hey, maybe made a lot of money. We talk about people who had big businesses. We talk about, I mean, famous Michael Jack. Just kidding. We talk about, you know, just, we talk about these figures and people who are very influential and think that they have really impacted the world. They've come nothing close to what Christ did only in three years. And the secret is what? What is the secret to his ministry? His inheritance, his portion was God and God alone. Do you desire to be great? Maybe say, yeah, I do in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not in a prideful way, but you know what I'm talking about. You want to make an impact in this world. Make your inheritance God. I remember John uh, telling us in the desert, John Corson, I remember him sharing, boys, what do you want to be known for? You want to be a fisher? Go fishing. Go fishing all the time. You want to be a golfer? Play golf. What do you what do you want to be known for? Music? What do you want to be known for? And as we talked to John, you know, the more and more we talked to him, it seemed like the guy never really did much, like no shooting or hunting or doing all like, you know, just camping and just all the it just like he was never known as that kind of guy. He's like, brothers, I want to be known as a guy that knows the word. That's it. And he said, that's what I do. On Shabbat, I love to just sit down and just take in the word. I just sit down and just read. Not to educate myself, just because I love the word. I just want to read it. I just want to take it in. Whatever you want to be known for, then start doing that and keep doing that. And that's what you you will be. People look at you and think that all the days of your life and you will die as that. Jesus was known for one thing and one thing alone. His dedication to God and the power that He had. Because what? His portion and His inheritance was the Lord. Verse 7, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. This is great. 
so much. It says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Did you know that Jesus, yes, submitted himself in some way, shape, or form that I can't explain? Okay, let me try to explain. Jesus coming down from heaven, he is God incarnate. Coming down, now does Jesus talk to God and how does Jesus receive counsel from Father when he is God? I don't know exactly how this works, but I know it's what the Bible teaches. What we see is the king of all glory. Just think about this. Jesus sitting in heaven, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, above all, before time, sitting up there, coming down on what? Becoming a poor man. We've talked about this. Why did he ride in on a donkey? It's like if you were to ride in to the city to show who you were, Jesus, why a donkey? It's like, pick like the big steed, man. Come in in a Corvette. I don't know. You know, it's like he could have done it. But he came in as a lowly man. And Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he laid aside. He laid aside his opportunities and the things that he had, the power that he had. Was he still gone? Completely and fully. But it says that even here, he has given me counsel. And it also tells us there in the Gospels that Jesus grew in stature, that he actually grew in wisdom, that he actually learned. Like many people think is Jesus is Jesus as a baby, he probably just knew everything at all times. No, he's a real real thing, okay? Just like you, he hurt. When he bled, he cried out, pain. He grew in stature, he knew, he learned and understood. Was he wiser than anybody? Yeah, remember, he was teaching there in the temple to the scribes at the age 12 or 13 there. But he received counsel from the Father. Everything that he knew came from the Father. And I choose to believe that we have the same access to God even in this day. That God would love to give you counsel in your life. Many people are scared to ask. I dare you to look up at the sky and ask God if he's there. I dare you to look up at the sky and talk to him and receive counsel from him and see what happens. If he's real, he'll speak to you. If he's not... And he won't. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel, he says. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. Jesus was one who sought God many times during the night. Um, There's two pictures here. There's one in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. If you want to look real quick, I'll turn there and read it to you. Matthew chapter 14. Jesus was one who sought the Father many times in the night. Are you there? Matthew 14, verse 23, it says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, what did he do? He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. When the evening had come, he was there what? Alone. Wow. There's another picture here in Luke. Yes, Luke 6, verse, is that 12? Yeah, I think so. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, and it says, And it came to pass in those days that he went up out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. All night, Jesus prayed. All night? As I was reading a commentary on this uh, picture of praying in the night, the man was saying, if you wake up in the middle of the night, randomly, 
recognize that maybe God wants to say something to you. Don't just fall back asleep. Ask, say, Father, why have you, why'd you wake me up? God, what are you doing waking me? What's, what, what, did you want to say something? I'm listening. I wake up many times in the night praying. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> praying if I, you know, if, if I just feel really eerie or like a, you know, this nightmare has come or just, just weirdness. I wake up praying and quoting scripture. It's random. But I do remember sometimes all of a sudden my eyes will just be wide open. It's like, what is going on? Why are my wi- eyes wide? I'm tired. And again, he said, why are they wide open? I'm just sitting here. I would encourage you to ask God. Maybe he wants to speak to you. And he will speak to you many times in the night. Reveal things to you right there on the spot. It's powerful. Jesus, he prayed through the night many times. And that shows self-control, doesn't it? The self-control that I think people chase after. What man can pray through the night? I want to sleep, man. Pray through the night? Not me. Pray through the night. Huh? Are you crazy? Sleep is good. It feels wonderful. I like that. Being on the pillow. Mmm. Comforter. Feel nice. All cold. The window's open because it's all cold outside. You know, and you're all tucked in there. All warm. Yeah, and you know what I'm talking about. The alarm goes off and you hit it like ten times because you don't want to wake up. I know, I know. Especially when it's raining because that's the best time. It's like raining outside and it's like, oh, I hate you work. I don't want to go to work. I just want to stay here in this bed. Jesus, not not our king, Mm-mm. didn't have a place to lay his head. But he stayed up throughout the night praying. What a great example for us, huh? That's the standard. Jesus Christ is the standard. He is what is right and what is true and what is just. The way He lived, the way He walked, there is a standard. I was talking with Mike today. We were talking about freedom of speech and how he was down at a museum in L.A. and they were kind of talking about how, uh, well, there was like this, this tour guide. He was saying that there was a conversation going on. He was telling a story about some conversation where two guys were sitting down a white guy and a guy of another race, and they're talking and they're listening to this guy on the radio, and the guy on the radio starts to clown the guy's race that's sitting there, starts to make fun of him, and then the white guy, I guess, starts you know going off on this guy who is that race, and start and they get in a fist fight and they start fighting, and a cop comes, and he ends up pulling out a gun, and they end up shooting an innocent bystander, somebody dies, and this guy was using this as an illustration to see to say, see. Maybe we should just kind of cut out that kind of stuff. Look at this. Some innocent bystander just died because what? Because you guys are arguing over what the guy said on the radio. So we should cut out. We shouldn't allow people to say bad things about other people. And at the surface, that sounds good. It's like, yeah, yeah, we should make a law that says you're not allowed to say anything bad about anybody else. That sounds good on the surface. This is what happens. When you start to do that, when you start to pull back on freedom of speech, this is what happens. Like, say, I think that it's wrong to say this to somebody. Okay, we're going to make that a law. And you think that what? It's wrong to say this. What if they contradict each other? Who is right and how does it work? And then what happens when we start setting up all these rules? and We start with something big like racism. Of course. Like, we would all say yay and amen to that. You can't, be ra- you can't say a, race, a racial slur against someone. Everybody say that. But what happens? Where does it stop? 
Where does it stop? It just starts keep. It moves from one place. You can't say racial slurs to now. You can't make fun of people who look like this. You can't say this about that person. And on the surface, it looks great. But then what happens when it starts cutting into the Bible? You cannot say that that person's a sinner. You can't say that that's wrong. You're offending them. You can't say that Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's offensive, man. You're telling them that their religion is wrong. You can't say that. You see, on the surface, it's, it is very good. But when it comes down to it, we're in big trouble if that starts to happen. And I'm telling you that in other countries already, you cannot say that homosexuality is a sin. Now, I'm not here to bash homosexuals. What I am here to do is say that homosexuality is a sin and that adultery is a sin. If a man looks at a man, if a man looks at a man, that's sin. If a man looks at a woman, that's sin. It's just, it's just a sin issue. It has nothing to do with the person or what they're doing. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And don't get mad at me because Jesus said He's the only way. Get mad at Him. He's the one who said it. Either He's a crazy lunatic saying that He is the only way to God, or He's telling the truth. And He rose Himself from the dead. What man has ever done that? I bet what he said was true. And I'm telling you that we are getting to a point where that is eventually going to happen here in this nation. You better get ready when you will be told, Christian, you can't say that because you are offending someone. And I will stand up and say, well, what you are saying is offensive to me. You are discriminating against me and what I believe and what I'm doing. So who's right? That is why there must be a standard. If the standard is everybody... What everybody says is the standard, then we're in big trouble. There must be a standard, and the standard is the Word of God. It is Jesus Christ in flesh, incarnate, the King, the God-man. We see the example. We see Him moving. We see Him praying in the night. He is the standard for us as Christians. And let's close this up, this last part here. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved... Oh, I put a smiley face next to that. He shall not be moved. That's one thing that you as a Christian must understand. Is that when you go through hard times, I encourage you to trust in God and you will not be moved. You read about these martyrs who beat for their faith and are not moved. They will not recant. They will not give up their faith. But there are many here in this world who claim to be Christian, and when it comes time to stand up for Christ, they don't. Everybody mocks them and laughs at them, and then they just buckle under the pressure. They're in the party scene, buckle under the pressure. Because it's not cool to follow Christ, to be honest. But we are called to, and those who trust in the Lord, I believe, will not be moved, because God cannot be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Oh, man, that's sweet. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. This is speaking about the death and resurrection. God the Father will not leave who? Christ. Who has died the death that we were to die. He will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou will show me what? The path of life. And the presence is fullness of joy. And thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
I was going to turn to Acts chapter 2 and do a full thing on that, but I think I've talked enough. I'm going to close in this. Did you see that last verse? This is speaking about the death and resurrection of Christ. It's prophecy. This is written hundreds of years before Christ. And here it is speaking about Him. But it says there in verse 11, which I want to close with, Thou will show me the path of life. Did you hear that? What else? In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Listen. Thou will show me the path of life. Those who walk with God will see the path of life clearly. It's obvious. Those who do not chase God, what are you chasing after? More money? What do you chase? A bigger business? A bigger house? What happens when you get it? What do you do next? Well, you do more. Well, what do you do after that? What do you do after that? What do you do? You see men at the top of the world in Hollywood. You see men at the top of the world in the success. They've chased this path of life and have nothing. They're not satisfied. They're bummed out. They keep chasing after something else and they die at the end of their life miserable. Remember, what was it? One of the richest men ever walked the earth. Somebody asked him, how much money is enough? And he said, what? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Hmm. Hugh Hefner was quoted. Hugh Hefner is the head guy of the Playboy Mansion who has hey, more exotic women and probably what many guys and any guy in the world would ever chase after and want. What did he say? What was he quoted saying? He says, I just desire that someone would love me. These girls don't love him. They love his money. (laughs) Hey, Hugh, hook it up. Yeah, he's going to hook it up. They chase after something all the days of their life and find nothing. Because why? There is only one path of life that is true, and that is the way of God, for God declares it here. He says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. When a man seeks after God, he sees what? Things more clear in life. What do you chase after? You're chasing after God in a relationship with Him. And what are you trying to do? Help people in life. Show the love of God. Bring people into salvation so that they can go to heaven when they die. What a mission. Helping people to love one another. Helping people to what? Bring peace to this world. Helping people to what? Recognize who God is to get to heaven and there's an ultimate goal if there is no afterlife then what is this life for we live and we die game over but for some reason I choose to think that deep in the soul you know what I'm talking about there are people crying out inside for something I heard a story just a couple days ago as I was listening to a sermon of a man who was one of the most brilliant men to ever walk the earth. I can't remember his name, but at 12 years old, he was preaching the book of Revelation. If you don't know what book that is, it's the last book of the Bible and basically one of the craziest poetic books you could ever look at. 12 years old, he's teaching it in the pulpit. By the age, for some reason, 16, all of a sudden he started questioning a lot of things and he he became too smart for his own britches. At 18, he denied the living God and went off to college and said, I don't want to have anything to do with you, and he became an atheist. And he lived a full life of misery, he says. But some fulfillment in his knowledge and his brilliance. 
And there at the end of his life, he said he had took one of his friends who was a very devout Christian and helped him to become an atheist with him. And he said he went into a hotel one night to go and stay because he just wanted to get some rest. And he walked into the hotel and there was no rooms. And so this man said, I'll just sleep anywhere. So let me sleep anywhere. I'll sleep on the floor here in the front, please. He's like, uh, uh, okay, you could sleep here. But you know, we actually have one room, but it's a really sketchy room. Um, the guy in the room next to it is actually dying. He's staying here. And he is dying in agony and pain, and he's, he's gone in his mind. He's like, I don't care. I'll go and sleep in the room. Just let me sleep in it. And he goes and he lays down in his bed, and he hears this man screaming in agony day and night. I'm sorry, all night long there as he's not day and night, but there all night long as he was sleeping, screaming and screaming in agony and in pain, nothing. He didn't know what he was saying. But he said he eventually went to sleep, and he woke up the next morning, and he said to the bellboy there, he said, what was the deal with that man? And he said he was he was dying, he was, he was loony and he was gone, and there was something eating him away. And he said, sir, that man died last night. And he said, wow, what was his name? And the man told him his name. His name was Andrew something, and it was the friend that he led to be an atheist. And he said he got on his horse, and he ran as fast as he can on that horse, and all he kept hearing in his head was death, hell, death, hell, death, hell. And he said he fell on his knees there in the rain, in the mud and he repented before the living God and got his life right right there on the spot and recognized that he had chosen a path of life which was wicked rejecting the living God and that he helped his friend who was a Christian to turn from the living God and those kind of realities are happening in this day and age and that man went on a great story happened he went on to be a missionary. And he went to other countries and translated Bibles so that people could have the word. And he brought thousands to know Christ in those villages. And his name is still known in those places for what he had done. We have a path. We have a mission. We have direction. The one who does not, they will eventually lay in bed in agony they will die a sad death and many will try to stand at their funeral and say they were a good person and put down all the small things, the bad things that they did, not talk about them. Jesus says, in thy presence, O God, is fullness of joy. You want fullness of joy? Get in God's presence. Fullness of joy. Get in God's presence. And what's the last thing? At thy right hand, O God, there are pleasures forevermore. Listen. Listen to this. Jesus speaking. At your right hand, God, are what? Pleasures forevermore. You know what people think at God's right hand are? Rules and regulations. <laughs> I got news for you, friend. At God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. Aren't you so happy that food tastes good? It really is. It's like pounding a double-double in and out. Man, that's a pleasure. It's just like you're starving. I mean, you got to eat every single day. Every day. You know, God could have just said, nah, food isn't going to taste good. you got to do it three times a day, but it's not going to taste at all. 
Oh no, it tastes wonderful. Hoping to taste some of that at the party next week, yes. But man, at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I'm telling you, if you walk with God, you'll be the most pleasured person on the face of the earth. I remember, this is kind of graphic, but I'll say it anyways. I remember a statistic um, that somebody did. I think, I don't remember which group, but they actually said that Christians who are virgins have the best sex in marriage in their life. Pleasure? There it is. The most satisfied in life. Interesting. The most satisfied I can testify from this microphone that since the day I've been seeking God, I've experienced more pleasure and joy and gladness. It doesn't mean that my life isn't hard, that hard times don't come. It just means I got Superman to save the day. My God pulls through for me. What do you do if you don't have God? He will give you the path of life. Joy, fullness of joy, and pleasures, hey, forevermore, evermore, evermore. God offers a life that no man can match up to, no man can pay for, no man can buy. He gives it free. And I think, family, there's some of you in here tonight that men just need to say, you know what, God? I haven't been experiencing this thing that you call the path of life, the fullness of joy, and these pleasures forevermore. God desires to pour it out on your life even tonight. It takes a man or woman who's willing to say, God, I give you my life. Whatever you want from me, I give it to you. And so I'm just going to pray. I believe there's some here that just need to pray and say, God, I just give it to you. You know, Whatever you want from me, I'm down. I give you my life because I know you know what's best. I know you know better than me. And so uh, let's go before the king. Huh? Father, do you hear us? God, do you hear us here in this coffee shop? Lord, there are many in here that are seeking you and desire these things. Desire this life. Life in that abundantly. And Lord, Heaven for free is amazing, and I know that you desire to give that out tonight also. I just want to pray for everyone in here, Father, that if there's some in here that don't know you, that they would come to know you, that they would make a decision to seek you for the rest of their life even now. And if there's some in here who are struggling and say, Lord, I've been wanting to seek you, but I haven't been seeking you completely. I need to, I want to. Lord, would you bring them to that point even in this moment? So maybe here just thinking to yourself, man, I want that. I need to get things right with God. Father, would you minister to them right now? Would you help them to make a deep decision within their heart? And if that's you, you can just say, God, here I am. Give my life to you. I make a commitment and a covenant before the living God right now. Giving my life up for you. Turning from my wicked ways and seeking your face. Repentance. And Lord, I desire this joy that you speak of, fullness of joy in your presence. Forgive me, Father, for not being in your presence and not spending time with you, God. It's a selfish life all for myself. I give it to you. I give it to you, loving you and loving people. That's what I want. And God, I pray that you would offer heaven to people here tonight. They would know that when they die, they can go to heaven. 
they would walk away changed forever. Help them to make a decision to follow you for the rest of their life. Bless these people. Father, Father, please, would you bless every single one in here? Would right now, would you just, in some way, shape, or form, just bless them? Just have your hand upon them and just allow them to see your face even tonight as they lay their head in their pillow. Allow them to walk in your ways, to walk in the pleasures of you, in the peace of you, in the joy of you, God. Thank you for giving us rules and regulations so we don't burn ourselves on the stove every time. Thank you for giving us direction and a path of life we will chase after it all of our days. And God, I live myself before you tonight. Anything that you want, let me know, King. I'm here to bless you, serve you as God. Thank you. Be with your people. In Jesus' name, I ask all these things. Your Son. Amen. 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 Love you guys.